Folks, I want to welcome you all to On the Edge with K.A. Owens, and I'm K.A. Owens, and we're broadcasting from the top of the Habern Building in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, again, this is 106.5 FM Forward Radio. Um, there's several hot issues going on in our world, You know, one of which is, uh, of course, the uh, Americans' uh, abrupt, uh, seemingly abrupt and uh, chaotic withdrawal from Afghanistan, and of course the other is the sort of the resurgence of the COVID virus in Kentucky and all over the country and with all these new variants and so on and so forth. Uh, now when you talk about Afghanistan, it's uh, I just think it's really a shame to for the United States and NATO allies to show the people of Afghanistan what it's like to live in a modern 21st century country uh, and then to take that away from them and say that, well, we're tired now and, uh, uh, and you all just have to go back to the ninth century. I think it's, uh, it's very cruel uh, for the people of, of Afghanistan, particularly for women who, of course, who are kind of uh, used to going to school and uh, having the privileges of the 21st century um, and having jobs and having careers and being police officers and sort of being turned over to, you know, the Taliban who who practice a very primitive version of uh, uh, what they say is Islam. it's just very restrictive for the rights of women. I just think it's uh, cruel, cruel. Now, uh, the question is, what should we have done and what should we do now? I mean, uh, you know, sometimes uh, even people you don't like are right. You know, the old saying, even, even a stop clock is right, is right twice a day. So... Uh, uh, you know, when asked uh, Senator Mitch McConnell about uh, the 20-year time spent in Afghanistan, he said, well, how long have we uh, been in Germany? How long have we been in South Korea? Uh, you know, if you look at that time frame, you know, 20 years in historical time is just not a very long time. It's just really not. And when you're a great power, you just kind of have responsibilities that other countries simply don't have. And especially if you're the sole remaining, uh, you know, great power or as as you see yourself, uh, the sole remaining superpower in the sense that not only does it have a a powerful economy, but has a powerful military able to export power uh, throughout all the reaches of the world. So it's a lot of responsibility there. Now, if you look at uh, historical time, there was only five years between World War II and the Korean War. And in that time, uh, you know, South Korea simply was not strong enough to defend itself. It just wasn't. That is, the North Korean army uh, uh, rolled over the 38th parallel and and, and actually almost kicked the... Uh, 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 American forces that were working with uh, the South Korean forces almost uh, drove drove us off the tip of the peninsula. And then uh, at a certain period of time, uh, 
of course, we called up the, the reserves, uh, Army Reserves. Uh, Harry Truman was president. He activated the uh, uh, every single human being in the Marine Corps Reserves, because, you know, there's war on. So. Uh, and then MacArthur is when his uh, last acts of genius decided to do an amphibious assault uh, 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 halfway up the peninsula instead of uh, putting those forces down at the tip where they were being kicked off the North Koreans. So this essentially uh, uh, cut the North North Korean army in half. Look where uh, uh, So brilliant move by uh, a senior citizen by that time, uh, General Douglas MacArthur. So, and uh, we've been in South Korea ever, ever since. Now, when you talk about Germany, uh, or do we know for sure that Western Europe could defend itself if it were invaded by the Russian army now or uh, during the Cold War? Do we know that for sure? Well, we never had to find out because uh, the way things were set up, uh, uh, the Russians never cared to invade uh, Western Europe. So we never had to find out. And and, and South Korea is the same. Uh, you know, we've had such a military. We keep at least one division there and uh, uh, and more, air power there and more. So we've never had to find out whether or not uh, uh, South Korea could defend itself or, as some people are saying, uh, stand on their own. So this whole thing about the Afghanistan people, and we spent all this money and uh, they should be able to stand on their own. Well, let me ask you, who in the world is able to stand on their own? I mean, uh, uh, the elites in America, they don't stand on their own. Uh, They, uh, the elites in America, most of whom are white, uh, they prosper on the backs of several hundred years of white privilege. Uh, So who's standing on their own? That is, the economic system in this country is set up uh, uh, with with tax breaks and every other kind of break and a whole legal system set up to allow certain people to be successful and certain people to be comfortable, uh, certain people to manipulate a system. So I don't know anybody who's really standing on their own. I don't know anybody who's really creating anything from scratch. I mean, uh, I just don't see that. I mean, people think, uh, I mean, people try to tell a story of creating, uh, I did this on my own, but when you find out there was a whole level of family, social, governmental support that allows certain people to be successful, to achieve, uh, even to break rules, to prosper, so this idea that the people of Afghanistan, they should be able to stand on their own. Uh, and this, this, you know, I, I don't see anybody in the world standing on their own. I don't see that. Uh, I don't see any country really doing that. Uh, and again, 20 years, historical time, it's just insignificant. It is uh, insignificant. Well, and you think, well, what are the options what are the options? Well, we could have simply maintained a presence in Afghanistan. And we could have informed the Taliban that the United States and NATO, that we're never leaving. We're never 
leaving. And that's the kind of game you have to play with uh, entities like the Taliban that were never leaving. Um, And fully absorbed uh, Afghanistan into the modern world as far as trade, alliances. And if there's some sort of, uh, you know, minor disruption occasionally in the hinterlands from the Taliban, well, you just deal with it. Uh, and over time, uh, give the people a choice. Do you want to be a, civiliz- a part of civilization or not? Uh, it could be over 50 years or 70 years or 100 years. Whatever it is that the Taliban has to offer, which is sort of a, 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 a very simplistic version of Islam with a rifle attached to it, uh, not attractive to a whole lot of people if they had a chance to vote. Uh, so, uh, and so t- the Taliban doesn't uh, give people a chance to vote. It all it does is says uh, it, it walks up to your house with a rifle, you know. So, uh, uh, so there's that. I mean, so what are the options? Uh, well, one, uh, it's in- interesting, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, a somewhat um, unpopular person, uh, Eric Prince uh, of uh, Blackwater, he uh, talked about having mercenaries, mercenaries uh, to handle the situation in Afghanistan. And he had a whole plan that he presented to the uh, uh uh, to Trump, uh, and where he said he could uh, accomplish what hundreds and thousands of U.S. troops and NATO forces over the last 17 years could not. Um, now, Trump didn't take that plan, uh, and so we've uh, read uh, McMaster, Tillerson, Mattis, those were the uh, security team at that time. Uh, just weren't interested in that. And uh, this is according to the Military Times uh, uh, article by Tara Kopp. Uh, so, um, so what would something like that look like? Um, Eric Prince said that his plan would cost $5 billion a year, a fraction of what it currently costs the U.S., operate in Afghanistan. So this is, we're talking about privatizing uh, uh, the war in Afghanistan. That's what we're talking about. And so uh, he talked about how the 9-11 attacks, according to Eric Prince, uh, cost Osama bin Laden Five hundred thousand dollars, which of course is a tiny amount, and so uh, I talked about how the United States has spent all of these billions of dollars, and uh, over the past twenty years, and that uh, he could do it for five five billion a year. That's what he says. And so, what would that be like, according to Eric Prince? Uh, 
And first of all, those of you who don't remember, Eric Prince uh, uh, was the founder of the uh, uh, private military operation Blackwater USA, which has a mixed history. I mean, uh, it had a good reputation at the, at the beginning because what it was doing was bringing in former highly trained, well, former special operations people who were highly trained and having them do security uh, uh, in Iraq and Afghanistan, right? Uh, and then the need became so great, well, this is a, uh, that he's had to hire people, or he chose to hire people that weren't highly skilled operators. Uh, and so, and then had a lot negative incidents with uh, uh, killing of civilians, so on and so forth. So, uh, so that's who we're talking about, whose plan we're talking about. Eric Prince, uh, the founder of Blackwater USA, private military uh, uh, organization. So, according to Military Times, uh, swap out the people, Eric Prince said. There are 23,000 multinational forces in Afghanistan. Uh, this is at that time when this article was written. We about 15,000 Americans and 8,000 NATO member country forces. About 27,000 DOD, that's Department of Defense, to supporting contractors. Prince wants to replace them with a smaller footprint of 6,000 contractors and 2,000 active-duty U.S. Special Operations Forces. The 6,000 contractors would, made up a, would be made up of 60% former U.S. Special Operations Forces and 40% former NATO Special Operations Forces. The NATO forces, Prince said, would come as individuals, not from a NATO unit, Thus, they would not be hampered by the myriad of national restrictions on each NATO country. Uh, Eric Prince would not say if he had discussed his plan with other NATO member countries, but his force would serve as a replacement for the NATO forces on the ground as well. The idea of our concept is to provide an embedded structural support for the ANSF, making all conventional forces free. Funded. The ANSF, of course, would be the Afghan uh, uh, Army. Command and control. The 2,000 U.S. Special Operations Forces would augment the 6,000 contractors um, and would remain the lead element and provide the U.S. unilateral direct action capabilities and provide quality assurance over any contracted elements, Prince said. No rotations. Those contractors would stay with their Afghan units instead of moving in and out in a more typical military deployment cycle. Those contractors would be retained for the long term, at least three years minimum. Typical 90 days on, 30 off rotations, going back to the same unit and same geography each time. So again, the contractors would stay with their Afghan units. He's also uh, he had, uh, written about or spoke of a private air force. 
About 2,000 of Prince's contractors would be there to operate a fleet of medevac, close air support, and helicopter air assets and would run two Western-style combat surgical hospitals that would also treat wounded Afghan soldiers. And he notes a fraction of the cost. Eric Prince said he can execute this mission on a budget of roughly $5.5 billion, specifically $3.5 billion for contractors, aircraft, warehouses for logistics and field hospitals, about $2 billion for the 2,000 U.S. Special Operations Forces. Now, as far as accountability, according to Eric Prince, uh, if his plan had been taken, which was the contractors and military forces would both be subject to the Uniform Code of Military Justice and Afghan law. Each aircraft would also have an Afghan crew member who would be the one to fire munitions, not the contractor. Contractors serving as adjunct in the Afghan forces under Afghan rules of engagement would be accountable for any misconduct under the UCMJ Prince said. A JAG element, and JAG is Judge Advocate General, uh, JAG is sort of the legal branch of the uh, uh, U.S. Army, U.S. Navy, U.S. Air Force, uh, Coast Guard. A JAG element, similar to what's assigned now for U.S. forces, would have jurisdiction over the U.S. and foreign contracted personnel. Any investigations and trials would be conducted in Afghanistan. Any incarceration would be by their home country of citizenship or the U.S. as acceptable, Prince said. What about long-term care in case of injury? The contractors would be covered by Defense Base Act insurance, which covers the cost of full medical treatment, evacuation, and lost wages. Military personnel would be cared for under the VA. In other words, the 2,000 American military still in the country. So... So that was the, the sort of gist of a plan by Eric Prince, uh, former Navy SEAL um, and also the founder of Blackwater USA, to sort of privatize the war in Afghanistan at a much cheaper cost. Now, the inter- interesting thing about the war in Afghanistan is that uh, you hear the media saying that the American people were tired of Afghanistan. The truth is that the American people weren't talking about Afghanistan at all. That is because we have a privatized, well, because we're not a privatized, because we have a all-volunteer military, that is, most Americans are sort of have an emotional separation from uh, uh, Iraq and Afghanistan. And I'm not saying that's a good thing. That is, of course, the last war we fought with a draft Vietnam, people had an emotional connection to it because their sons were eligible for the draft. Now, of course, a lot of people found a way to uh, make themselves ineligible, including uh, 
uh, Dick Cheney, uh, high-ranking member of the uh, uh, various administrations in Washington, D.C., uh, and vice president under uh, George W. Bush when uh, Afghanistan and uh, Iraq began. So uh, I believe Dick Cheney had five deferments or something like that. He just wasn't interested in serving in uh, Vietnam. And so, but there were some elites who did serve and some who actually volunteered uh, and went overseas during Vietnam. So, but because uh, there was a draft and sort of an emotional involvement of American people, white and black, since we've gone to the all-volunteer military, you know, it's a subsection of a subsection of people who were going uh, to fight in these wars. It's all volunteer. So I don't think the American people were talking about Afghanistan at all uh, until now uh, because of sort of the disastrous uh, withdrawal. Now, should they have been? That's a different question. Uh, uh, but really, they weren't. So, uh, so what do we do now? I mean, it's, uh, there are some uh, conservatives uh, who are, you know, who were pro-staying and pro-war, but they seem to be resistant to bringing uh, significant numbers of Afghans here as refugees, which is interesting uh, because these Afghans have either been serving as interpreters um, or working in other capacity for the Americans and NATO's uh, NATO forces. So it's amazing that... uh, that some people would be resistant to bringing them in as refugees. But there's some so-called conservatives uh, who seem to have a problem with that. And what about just regular Afghan people who don't, don't want to live under a repressive regime that wants to go back to the ninth century? So don't we have room for the people who have been on our side for the past 20 years? Uh, don't we have room for the the refugees that we are creating by uh, leaving Afghanistan in such a chaotic fashion with no guarantees of any kind of basic human rights for the people that uh, uh, have been left behind. Um, So these are very real questions. uh, And it's not the first time in in the past few years where... Americans have abandoned. Uh, I do remember uh, 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 in uh, in Syria uh, under Trump, uh, America walked away from the Kurds who have been fighting on our side uh, in Syria. Uh, Trump essentially abandoned the Kurds, uh, and the Kurds, uh, while nominally Muslim, they have uh, rights for the. Uh, women, they actually had women in in their Kurdish fighting units. The the, uh, the Kurds are actually egalitarian, and Trump uh, uh, sort of walked away from the Kurds uh, to appease the Turks. Uh, so, you know, the United States cannot go along uh, uh, in this world abandoning people that we have uh, worked with for for years and years at a time. It's not a good look for America. So we're doing several things that are all wrong all at the same time. 
were working with people, uh, fighting alongside them for years at a time, then walking away, throwing up our hands and acting like we don't want, don't know what to do. Oh well, hey, it's over now. We got tired, and then essentially with all of these. Uh, the way we treat countries like Cuba and Venezuela with all of these embargoes and trade restrictions, but we try to crush the aspirations of good people who are simply trying to create a better life for themselves. At the same time, you know, uh, we're working with people, you know, uh, ostensibly on the behalf of democracy and freedom and capitalism, and then we work with them for 20 years and then walk away. And then we throw up our hands and say, hey, you're on your own now. Hey, uh, we gave you this amount of money for 20 years. You should be able to, you know, stand on your own two feet and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and uh, it's not a good look for America. Uh, it's dishonest. It's hypocritical. Uh, they try to retard the progress of uh people in Latin America on at one hand. I mean, uh, we, we fund dictators uh, in Latin America. Uh, whenever somebody tries to create a government where, you know, everybody can go to school and, uh, uh, and uh, everybody can work and uh, labor has rights, uh, we try to overthrow that government and put in something that we think is more friendly to our, uh, our system. And, and why, uh, you know, uh, people being able to go to school and uh, labor having rights and uh, uh, having a balanced economic system where everybody can prosper, not just a few people. Why those things would be antithetical to the American system, I'm not sure. At least the, uh, what people are telling is that the American system is. And then, uh, uh, again, overseas, we're working with people for a period of time, fighting with them for a period of time, arming them for a period of time. And then we say, well, we're tired now. Hey, we're tired. Um, uh, hey, you're on your own. And then, as a great power, we've got the most powerful military in the history of the world, the most powerful navy in the history of the world, the most powerful air force, the most powerful army, and we can't even orchestrate a withdrawal from a country like Afghanistan. I mean, we turned over an air base to the Afghans several weeks ago, and then we shut off all the electricity, left, and didn't even show them how to turn the, elec the electricity back on. We just left. We shut down the air base completely and then left. Why in the world would you do that? Why would you do that? No. Leave the power on. Leave the power on. We turned over the, the biggest air base and uh, one of our major air bases to the Afghan military after shutting off the electricity completely. Completely. And then said, hey, it's yours now. Wouldn't it have made more sense to leave everything running, leave the lights on, leave the power on, have the control tower working, and then just have Afghan people uh, 
running everything on the base? No, we couldn't do that. No, we turned over the major air base in Afghanistan, completely shut down, completely. And then we can't even orchestrate a withdrawal. Now with the, the Kabul airport, uh, we only control half the airport. Don't we have enough sense to say, look, since we're uh, exiting the country, we're going to take control of the entire airport. We're going to have...